Hello and welcome to Dialogue Sunday Gospel Study, today, November 22nd, 2020, with Delan Amasimiku. She will be using Ether 6 through 11 today. Um, that's our program. I'm Chris Kimball. I'm conducting today on behalf of the Dialogue Foundation Board. Other board members, Michael Austin and, and uh, Rebecca Deschweinitz, are also part of the group. Um, we're using our webinar format on Zoom. We're running a live stream on Facebook. We're recording the program and we'll post the recording, hopefully late this afternoon when it's uh, available. Um, for viewers on Zoom, there's a chat function. For viewers on Facebook, there are comments. We try to follow both. And at an appropriate time, we'll introduce questions or answers or comments. Um, the comments and the chat are recorded, and as always, we uh, ask that you be courteous and thoughtful, uh, both about what you say live and what you may be recorded as saying. I'm, uh, if, if this is your first time logging on or paying attention to this program, um, where have you been? Uh, but I, I'm going to uh, remind of a couple of things that are part of this dialogue Sunday study program. Um, first of all, I should mention that next week is the Thanksgiving break. There will not be a live program at, uh, at this hour on next Sunday. There are on, if, if you have become accustomed to this kind of uh, program, um, let me recommend that you can take that time to go to dialoguejournal.com and find on our, on our website, Out Loud podcasts that are professionally produced stories and essays from recent issues of dialogue. Um, past sessions of this programming, our, um, our fireside program, which has now begun and uh, have had two sessions. There is a lot of content, 50 years in fact, of dialogue and all of this year's um, live programming available there uh, if you, uh, at any time want to find more or next week at this hour need to fill that hour with something um, uplifting and thoughtful. Let me uh, characterize it that way. I am now going to uh, talk about today's program. For our lesson today, I'm pleased, first of all, to introduce Daylin Amesimuku. Daylin uh, is chair-elect for the BYU Black Alumni Association Society and, and a Dialogue Foundation board member, one of our own. Um, she received her BS in exercise science from BYU in 2012. She most recently worked in ophthalmology and is now in the process of uh, applying to physician assistant programs. Her parents converted to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Venezuela, where she was born. She was raised in Miami and now lives in Massachusetts with her husband and her four-year-old and one-year-old daughters. On a dialogue-specific note, she is the author of Imagery and Identity, found in the Dialogue Fall 2019 issue. Now here, I will pause to make our regular disclaimer, which to me has become more of a feature than a disclaimer. We ask Daylin here today for her experience and insights for her voice. She does not speak for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And in this instance, even though she is a Dialogue Foundation board member. She is not speaking for dialogue. This is her voice. And for that, we um, are excited 
welcome and celebrate it. Um, now, to our program today, um, before Daylin takes over, we will have an opening song, uh, Beautiful Savior, arranged by Frederick Melius Christiansen, in this case performed by the St. Olaf College Choir and conducted by Kenneth Jennings. Our invocation will be Carmelite Henor. Carmelite is with us, grew up in South Florida and Idaho. She served in the Salt Lake City Temple Square Mission, currently lives in Atlanta with her husband and two daughters. Can I say the prayer now? Yes, you're on. Awesome, thank you. Our Father in heaven, we bow our heads and come to thee at this time to thank thee um, for technology in our day um, where we can gather as saints all over the world to be edified um, by testimonies the testimonies of others. And we, at this time, pray for Daylin that as she shares with her, um, as she shares with us her insights um, and testimony, that we may be edified. And we pray for a portion of thy spirit to be with all of us, um, even in our homes, that we may continue to grow in faith. And um, at this time, we ask um, for healing all over the world, um, especially through this pandemic that we may be blessed with hope um, to continue to move forward, um, even in the chaos. And we pray for healing for our world um, through our savior, Jesus Christ, for we know it is only through him um, that can bring healing. We are thankful um, and acknowledge thy hand and the blessings in our lives, um, including the restored gospel and the scriptures. And at this time, we um, thank thee, um, even for this time of year, um, where we can reflect on our blessings and the message from President Nelson to um, look for ways to be more grateful in our lives. And we pray for these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Carmelite. Um, thank you everyone for tuning in today. Uh, thank you Dialogue um, so much for this opportunity. I am, um, it's truly been a pleasure to work with such a dedicated and kind group of people um, and, you know, and serve where I, um, where I can um, within that. Um, I, I, I wanna make a quick plug. I was not asked to do this, but I am, um, I just, I honestly, I just recently, um, had uh, really learned about that, not recently, maybe like a few years, learned, even learned about dialogue. Um, and it's just the wealth of knowledge, um, of collective knowledge that is found um, in such a wonderful um, journal is, 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 is astounding to me. And now in the age of the internet where, you know, we find, we, we can find every single one of those volumes online, it's just incredible to me. So, um, I, uh, I, I hope that we can all take advantage of that. Um, again, I was not asked, but thought I'd, I'd share that. 
because um, there's just so so much knowledge, so much thinking that has been going on for 50 plus years, and I think we can all we can all learn um, uh, and grow from that. Um, so as mentioned, this week we've been studying um, Ether 611. Um, and these chapters, they begin with the journey of the Jaredites um, across the sea in their vessels. Um, we read, um, and then, but most of it is um, about their dealings when they get to the promised land, right? So we see times of prosperity, times of wickedness, times of famine. We see righteous kings, wicked kings, um, secret combinations, and prophets at different times um, warning the people. And in the very, very end, the prophet Ether is born. Um, that's the gist. Um, there's a lot, um, a lot of different principles that we can learn from. Um, and um, I wanted to touch just on a few things um, and keep to two principles that I thought were important um, and really stood out to me um, in my studies. Uh, so I wanna start um, with, let's see here, um, with, yes, perfect, thank you, Michael. Um, with ether six here, four, four to six and eight, um, and I think this will give us a good starting point and will kind of lead us right into these two principles I want to spend the rest of uh, my time on. Um, and I want to point to specifically here um, to the wind, to the wind here, um, the wind's purpose um, in, in these verses. Um, Rebecca, sorry, would you mind reading for me? Thank you. Sure. Ether 6, 4 through 6 and 8. And it came to pass that when they had done all these things, they got aboard of their vessels or barges and set forth into the sea, commending themselves unto the Lord their God. And it came to pass that the Lord God caused that there should be a furious wind blow upon the face of the waters towards the promised land. And thus they were tossed upon the waves of the sea before the wind. And it came to pass that there were many times buried in the depths of the sea because of the mountain waves which broke upon them and also the great and terrible tempests, which were caused by the fierceness of the wind. And it came to pass that the wind did never cease to blow towards the promised land while they were upon the waters. And thus they were driven forth before the wind. What furious, oh. Yes, oh, no worries, thank you. That's that's my question in the end, right? So, so we're looking at, um, let me go back and see the, um, great, okay. So these winds here have um, a double purpose, right? Not only are they, you know, they're tossing us around, burying us, uh, or toss, toss the um, excuse me, the Jaredites as they travel, um, creating mountainous waves. Um, um, yes, creating ter uh, terrible tempests, but through through it all, they're still driving the vessels forward, driving the vessels towards the promised land. Um, and I think, um, just like Rebecca almost read at the end there, we can think about these winds as, um, as I mean, at least personally for me, as either weaknesses or trials that we we battle um, in our life and um, what those do for us. I guess in hindsight, right, we can probably see a lot better um, those blessings that come. But but what kind of what kind of furious winds are we battling that are that are taking us to this promised land? Um, in our home, uh, our, our most recent motto, uh, we go through a couple models, but our most recent one is the obstacle is the way, um, which I think is perfectly explained in these scriptures where the winds again, toss and bury us in the waters, but they drive us forward. Um, 
or I should say, and they drive us forward, right? Um, and I think that's I, I think that's a key. Um, um, sorry, a key point to 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 make sure that we see those things um, as as um, as things that are moving us forward in our direction of success or or of improvement. Um, I can think um, back to when I first graduated school, um, graduated from BYU. I started in healthcare. So my end goal has always been PA school to become a physician assistant. Um, and so I knew I had to go into some kind of work that would allow me to um, get a lot of patient care experience and um, as uh, to prepare me again for that, for the program. Um, so I started off as a certified nursing assistant or CNA. So a lot of that work is, I, I would say, pretty, um, pretty tough. You know, you're either in a long-term healthcare facility helping the elderly or um, people recently out of the hospital for some from some surgery, or um, you're going into people's homes and helping them with their everyday daily activities. Um, and I did that for um, a couple of years. Um, um, eventually my husband and I uh, were married and we moved to Utah. Um, and there I had to again, find a job um, as a CNA. And I did, um, and the job was really great. I, I absolutely love helping the elderly. I absolutely enjoy doing those things that I think, um, that I think a lot of times we don't see as important, but to help somebody out of bed and bringing them to the bathroom or helping them shower is is um, is was fulfilling for me um, because I saw it in their faces um, and so I really enjoyed my work. But in this particular place, I was not enjoying um, management. <laughs> I felt like I was kind of I wasn't being given the opportunities that I constantly asked for and it wasn't it was really just shifts opportunities like if this shift opened up please let me know da, 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 da. and it never worked out somehow there was always uh, some excuse and I did see other people getting the things that they wanted and I grew frustrated and I thought you know I love this place I love the people but I cannot stay here I cannot um, do this and um, sure enough um, I think a day later in, on, in, um, on Sunday I had a ward member say, hey, there, there's opening at my job, no experience needed, but healthcare, you know, come in and see if you would, you know, apply. And I did. And it was um, work in ophthalmology, which I I am so grateful for that work that I did um, that while I was in, while I was in Provo because I was able to, um, to learn a lot and I was given time to learn. And also, um, and eventually when we moved from Utah, it gave me a much better job in the same field, doing the same thing, but a lot more, um, uh, I guess you could say enhanced because I worked, I came over to Boston, have, I worked there for at least four or five years where I was, it was a bigger clinic. It was a university hospital where I got much more experience working with physicians, working with a lot more patients, a diverse, diverse population of patients, um, working with fellows, residents, just everything was, was incredible. Um, and so for me, and of course, looking back, um, that obstacle where I just, you know, that frustration that I had to kind of live through um, became that way for me to, to jump ship pretty much. I mean, and honestly, I probably could have stayed there and, and kept going and said, you know, um, if that wasn't an obstacle for me, you know, that I would have maybe kept working as a CNA or doing different things and, and gotten my patient care experience that way and still, you know, apply to my, uh, my programs eventually. But, um, um, I'm truly grateful for that I, that I had this other experience that this was at least for me I felt like it was it was a great blessing in my life to have that 
Um, and so, as I mentioned this, I even think about um, how, again, I we apply this principle to when we have difficulties or weaknesses or we're going through you know difficult circumstances but I'd be careful to say that this principle applies um, to when a trial is inflicted by others for instance in abuse of any form or anything like that so you know I'm not sure where where all of that would fit in but um, I would definitely put that aside and say this this is not what we're talking about um, and so I don't know if anyone had any comments Rebecca or in the in the section but um, if not, I will move on. Yeah, so a comment here, the wind, uh, just really loving this idea of the obstacle as the way the wind is part and parcel with the promise land, even an extension of it, and not just the gateway or threshold into it. Um, another attendee notes that the wind is also an ancient symbol of God's presence. That's beautiful, yeah. Thank you. Um, wow, even when I think about that, the wind is God's presence. Yeah. Yeah, anyways, um, that, that is just beautiful. Um, so again, it's all good and well to conceptualize this principle and say, you know, the obstacle, like I said, the obstacle is the way. Um, but what about when it's, you know, when it's really our turn, um, when the trials are like truly, truly heartbreaking, when we're deep in despair or deep in confusion, whatever, whatever we may be going through. Um, what about in those times, right? Um, even Christ in Gethsemane called out to his father, even though he knew full well the end from the beginning. Um, he, what, what about in those times? Um, and I think, um, as I mentioned, two principles that I think flow through these chapters um, and is key to keeping us through these uh, toughest parts of our journey. Our, our gratitude and humility. Um, and I, of course, as it happens, you know, President Nelson's uh, call uh, is, is, is right in line with, with what we are discussing um, for the week and in these chapters. Um, and there's, there's a lot of, again, there's a lot of things going on in this chapter that I won't mention. A lot of fathers killing sons, sons killing fathers, secret combinations, all these things. Um, or even putting family members in captivity, um, which I was actually curious about what that meant because it seemed like some of them were even uh, having children while in captivity. So was this like house arrest or anyways, I don't know, but um, someone knows, please enlighten us. Uh, but um, these, um, but during these times there was, there was people, there were righteous uh, leaders, um, specifically in, in the chapters we'll read in a minute here. Um, I hope I mentioned, uh, I'm sorry, I hope I say these correctly, but Oraiha, Shul, and Shez, um, who, who remembered in their reign, right? Um, and for me, I think remembering is part of being grateful. Um, just as President Nelson uh, reminded us, Michael, if you wouldn't mind sharing um, that quote. Thank you. So no matter our situation, showing gratitude for our privileges is a unique, fast-acting, and long-lasting spiritual prescription. Um, and he, here he talks about gratitude being, um, being healing, right? Um, so as we read a couple of these verses about when these 
these um, leaders remembered, um, I want us to think about, about that, about what the healing power of gratitude is and where that comes from um, and how, how gratitude heals our beings. Um, and of course, anything else that might stand out for anyone in these verses. Um, and again, I wanna add a quick disclaimer to this is that you know there is a portion of, of, of sometimes uh, of uh, mental health disease where we should seek professional help. I mean, I, I sincerely believe that um, our bodies sometimes need healing and our spirits need healing and it, it's different for everyone, um, whatever um, and whatever that may mean, then the healing comes from different places. And I think we should just be cognizant on that when we talk about healing and gratitude being healing. Um, so Michael, if you can share again. So there's just three verses. Um, Chris, I wonder if you could just read. Um, so we'll just skip through, th there's three slides, Michael, and so we'll just go through them. And I think if Chris could read them, it'd be great. And it came to pass that Arahad did walk humbly before the Lord and did remember how great the things, how great things the Lord had done for his father, and also taught his people how great things the Lord had done for their fathers. And there were no more wars in the days of Shul, and he remembered the great things that the Lord had done for his fathers in bringing them across the great deep into the promised land. Wherefore he did execute judgment in righteousness all his days. And it came to pass that Shez did remember the destruction of his fathers, and he did build up a righteous kingdom, for he remembered what the Lord had done in bringing Jared and his brother across the deep, and he did walk in the ways of the Lord. Thank you. Um, and sorry, Michael, can we share that next slide as well? And so in these, I think in these, um, in these few examples, we see that um, these leaders, they remembered their privileges, um, right? They, <clears throat> they saw the destruction, they saw what had happened, but they also remembered um, their privileges up to that point. Um, and, um, and so yeah, I, we can turn to any comments or any um, discussion, but how does this, how does this truly express our gratitude? And I, I must say that during this time, just reading every, like as everyone's been posting a lot on social media with President Nelson's call, it's been, it's been beautiful really to see um, everyone's thoughts um, on, social, on social media um, from friends and family, um, especially reading what gratitude means to them. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure. I, I'll share something that I saw recently um, and then we can go through any comments that there may be, but um, Again, this is just um, someone sharing their thoughts, but um, they thought they said the power of gratitude lies in the shift of focus. It encourages the, mi the mind to make um, even when life is hard. Um, so, you know, to so that when we look to when we look to be grateful in these hard times that we're not saying that may maybe we're not saying that we're grateful for the hard time, but that we're able to, again, shift that focus in our minds. And I think that's one way that our our spirits are healed. Um, Rebecca, I don't know if you can share or Chris wanted some, any of the comments. I, I, I like this comment. Um, what strikes me is that the wind, as scary as it is because of its power and fierceness, provides momentum. 
uh, the idea that the things we are grateful for are not necessarily all um, peaceful and calm. They may be powerful. They may be um, moving, providing momentum. Great, thank you. Yeah, I love that idea. So that um, you know has me thinking to, you know, what keeps us from um, growing and learning is you know being static. And if we don't have that momentum, something moving us, then um, then we're stuck. Uh, physically and spiritually and in all sorts of other ways, right? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I've also been reflecting on um, this question of what it is, what is remembering and, and then how is that related to healing? And I'm a historian, so <laughs> I'm all about remembering. And, and what we do as historians is, um, you know, not just re not relate facts, right? This is the misconception. I'm not the person you want. Well, maybe I am on your Trivial Pursuit game um, team, uh, but, but it's about giving meaning to the past, right? And so if we think about remembering, we're not just, you know, remembering what happens, but we're giving meaning to that. And in, in kind of looking for um, trying to assess the significance of things that happen in our lives, um, that leads us to, to create narratives, cre create stories about what that meant. Uh, and so I think that's a, that's a you know, way to understand you know, how remembering can lead to healing. Can of, of course also lead to not healing um, as well, but, um, but if we are approaching remembering um, you know, in a particular way. Yeah. Uh, one of our attendees says, uh, remembering, remembering is also about seeing a new context. Uh, it connects the past to our new and novel yet similar situation. I think, I think that's beautiful. I think, I think uh, even, I think... oh, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You're the teacher, go. <laughs> I'm only facilitating, go Chris. <laughs> <laughs> How, I, I mean, there's, there are more comments here to bring in, but I, I relate uh, both of these, you know, as, as we're going here, to those scriptures that you had me read. Um, I think it's important to pay attention to what they're remembering by um, they're selecting out things that are important. They're making choices in their remembering. And in that choice, the things that they are paying attention to, that they are giving weight to that they're giving credit to makes a difference. I, it, it is the Lord moving them across the sea is the thing they're remembering, that blessing. And, and that makes it important. That makes it valuable. Um, there's, there's an active, in other words, there's an active process in remembering. Yeah. And that's, that's actually perfect because th th this is one part I didn't quite mention, but um, we have the opposite, the opposite example in the daughter of Jared in the chapters, actually, who says, don't you remember those secret combinations of old? Let's do that again. You know, and that's an example of this, of, you know, being specific about what we remember <laughs> and what we're really searching for. And, you know, and they, they themselves started the whole secret combinations again, um, in the, with the, with the Jaredites. 
Yeah, this and this is what I've appreciated about the give thanks uh, movement. <laughs> uh, a call, a call to give thanks that um, that it's encouraging us to to pick out and to and to think about and to give weight to um, things that uh, that bring beauty in our lives and that uh, uh, help to sustain us. You know, even as we go through whatever terrible obstacles that that we may face. Yeah, yeah, and I think we can even. I even think now about how uh, about genealogy, about our family history, about our ancestors, where um, we remember them, and how healing that is for us as people. I mean, at least um, for me, and in my experience, where um, I I grew up in Miami um, amongst people just like me, a lot of Latinos, a lot of just a lot of different people. Um, I go to Utah, which is complete culture shock for college. And I really had to dig deep um, so that I wasn't distracted by, um, by, you know, negative interactions. And, and, and having that piece, at least for me, remembering my ancestors, remembering or getting to know them, at least um, was was healing in that way. And so, um, thinking, you know, obviously thinking about them and the things that they went through um, and how um, their qualities also are reflected in me that I had a stronger, and in that sense, I had a stronger sense of self in that moment um, and in those times. And so um, just like Rebecca was saying, you know, when we, when we look at the past and we look for meaning in, in that past to then, and that can in turn um, and heal us. And I feel like, yeah, as we speak about it. I feel like that was healing for me um, as well. Um, a comment from um, one of our attendees on Facebook who sa that says, um, it's the opposition and danger we face that force us to learn. Mm -hmm. can, you, can you read that last part again? The the opposition and danger we face that force us to learn. learn. Yep. Sorry, Chris, go ahead. I'm fighting the mute button there. Uh, <laughs> there's, some, there's some great comments. I don't know if we can get, get them all in. Um, Barbary says, one meaning of remember is to pass through the heart again. Thus remembering is not just cognitive, but also emotional and spiritual experience how we relive, how we, um, how heart seems to have some capacity to remember. Um, I, I also like, I also like, and, and want to mention this, uh, I like the idea of being grateful for our privileges, which makes us aware that we often have privileges that others don't, and that we have a responsibility to extend our help to them. Another way that it's, it's, important to think about what it is that we choose to remember, what it is that we choose to pass through our, our hearts and make us, make us different. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think it leans in right into um, what the, the next principle I wanted to discuss, which is humility. Um, as I guess we'll read in a couple chapter in a couple verses here. Um, we can, yes, thank you, Michael. Um, so we see two different times. Um, there's probably several times, but I just wanted to point out two. Um, I'll read this one and then Rebecca, could you read the next one? So it says, 
And they did land upon the shore of the promised land. And when they had set their feet upon the shores of the promised land, they bowed themselves down upon the face of the land and did humble themselves before the Lord and did shed tears of joy before the Lord because of the multitude of his tender mercies over them. Um, and then the next one, thank you, Michael. But the people believed not the words of the prophets, but they cast them out. And it came to pass that there began to be a great dearth upon the land and the inhabitants began to be destroyed exceedingly fast because of the dearth, for there was no rain upon the face of the earth. And there came forth poisonous serpents also upon the face of the land and did poison many people. Now, when the people saw that they must perish, they began to repent of their iniquities and cry unto the Lord. And it came to pass that when they had humbled themselves sufficiently before the Lord, he did send rain upon the face of the earth and the people began to revive again. And there began to be fruit in the north countries and in all the countries round about. And the Lord did show forth his power unto them in preserving them from famine. Thank you. Um, so I think the, the, the one obvious difference between both of these is where um, the first group humbled themselves and the other, I mean, sorry, they both humbled themselves, but the first, the second group kind of was forced to be humbled, right? Poison and serpents coming their way, um, famine. Um, and so it, it had me thinking, so, so what is humility and can we truly be humble if we're forced to be humble? Um, and I think that was quickly dismissed in my mind because the Lord blessed both people just the same. Um, in, the, uh, in the scriptures, um, we find that um, it, it says um, it, it defines humility as recognizing our constant dependence on God. Um, and so to me, it seems like if we're it, whichever way we come to be humble, it may not matter to God. But, you know, do our parents or did our parents want to constantly tell us what to do or want us to learn via negative consequences? No, um, I think it's it's more of like a good, better, best situation where we should be looking to to walk humbly, recognizing, remembering um, our privileges um, um, first. And I wanted to share. Let's see here, Michael. You don't have this, so don't freak out. <laughs> the screen sharing. Um, Okay. Again, in this in this context of humility, I wanted to share from. I guess I can share the book. It's called Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Probably a lot of you or some of you have read this book. It's it's um it's an amazing book. Um, and Brian Stevenson, by the same vein, is is amazing man. Um, he is the co-founder and executive director of the Equal Justice Initiative. Um, here in his uh, organization, they work to end mass incarceration and um, excessive punishment in the U.S. Um, so in his book, um, Brian Stevenson shares a, a childhood experience. Um, and I want to read a little bit from here, um, a little excerpt <clears throat> about what we learn about humility and what we gain from humility, right, from recognizing um, recognizing uh, our privilege, recognizing um, and remembering that. Um, but we'll step back a little bit. And so let me see what I've paraphrased here. Okay. 
Um, so in his book, he relates, uh, I'm just going to read a little bit of um, what I paraphrased already. Um, in his book, he relates a particularly troubling case that led him to recall a moment from his childhood. When he was about 10 years old, he was outside of his church with some friends, one of whom had, visit, um, had a visiting relative with him. The boy was looking shy and nervous. When Brian asked him um, where he was from, the boy stumbled his words. He had a severe speech impediment. Thinking he was joking, Brian began laughing. Out of the corner of his eyes, he could see his mother looking at him with an expression as, of, as he would say, a mix of horror, anger, and shame. He was called over. His mom, angry with him, asked him to apologize and to hug the boy. As he was about to turn to leave his mother, uh, his mother, I'm sorry, his mother grabbed his arm and said, I also want you to tell him that you love him. Uh, so now imagine telling a 10 year old to go and talk, to hug another boy or so, go hug a classmate and tell him that he loved him, a classmate that he had just laughed at. Um, so I'll read his words here. Um, um, so he, I went up to the little boy who had struggled to speak. Look, man, I'm sorry. I was genuinely apologetic for laughing and even more deeply regretful of the situation I had put myself in. I looked over at my mother who was still staring at me. I lunged at the boy to give him a very awkward hug. I think I startled him by grabbing him like that, but when he realized that I was trying to hug him, his body relaxed and he hugged me back. My friends looked at me oddly as I spoke. Uh, also, I love you. I tried to say it as insincerely as I could, uh, as I could get away with, and I half smiled as I spoke. I was still hugging the boy so he couldn't see the disingenuous look on my face. It made me feel less weird to smile like it was a joke, but then the boy hugged me tighter and whispered in my ear. He spoke flawlessly, without a stutter and without hesitation. I love you too. There was such a tenderness and earnestness in his voice and just like that, I thought I would start crying. Um, for me, um, and, I, and obviously for him, um, it was a moment in his childhood where he recalled um, that he he undeservedly received love and he uh, received grace. Um, he was obviously forced by his mother to go and do this, but he still received that grace. Um, Michael, if you mind sharing, we have, um, I wanna read James 4, 6, um, which says, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, um, but giveth grace unto the humble. And I think when we think about this, when we think um, about what what humility can bring us is this grace. Um, whether we deserve it or not, grace is there. Um, and um, I think from his experience, we, we learn um, as we've been talking a little bit, um, about how humility not only um, can heal us, but it could heal um, others. Um, it, it, uh, it, it can apply in the exchanges that we have with others um, and in our connections with them. Um, in, let's see, I also wanna share, oh, sorry, I think there was a comment, Rebecca, I'm not sure, but. So it just, um, I wanted to bring in a comment from Ignacio um, who had mentioned before that real trials are often the result of others' actions. And so not only do we deal with the trial, but we also have to deal with the people who cause it. Uh, and he mentions that forgiving can be the hardest part. And it strikes me that, um, that this humility <laughs> uh, is, uh, is is an important part of being able to do that forgiving, right? If we're, uh, 
you know, for us to be right, that, that kind of um, recognizing our own need to be forgiven um, and that humility can help us to be able to do that and then move forward. So yeah. definitely, yeah, that that ties right in where where that connection, that healing portion of of you know remembering and um, letting these things pass through our heart, a lot of times have to do with our interactions with other people. And so when we think about receiving this grace or um, um, our actions of humility, it's always intertwined with, with others. Thank you. Some, uh, often with other people, but several comments bring up the idea that it's not, that we may be forced into humility. I, there are questions of um, uh, struggling with what did I get out of a cancer diagnosis and remembering and finding that I was uh, forced into that situation, but what do I get out of that? Or what do I get out of my home burning down? Um, real experiences of people who are part of our group here. Yeah, yeah, and, and it makes sense. Like I said, you know, thinking the obstacles away is it's easy to conceptualize, but it's not it it's not an easy it's not an easy task, and it doesn't and it's even hard to apply it everywhere, right? Um, again, in these times where we're in deep despair, deep confusion, what is really healing, um, and what is really what do we really get from again remembering and being grateful and 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 humble even through these times. That's the question. I love this other comment that says humility is the child of remembrance. Um, and another humility is almost impossible to the comfortable. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Right. I think, yeah. I'm not sure if you're anymore, but I think this is, this is perfect. I, um, a, a lot of times it is, it's after, like I said, like we see, you know, poisonous serpents, uh, famine, uh, a big long sermon by King Benjamin, which I wanted to mention. <laughs> Michael, would you share um, in Messiah 4, 1, 2? Um, um, so again, so in that first verse, you know, King Benjamin had finished and behold, uh, the people had fallen to the earth and they had viewed themselves in their own carnal state. Um, our own carnal state, I think, um, is, is so important. And again, something else we learn um, from, I, I want to read another portion here of, of Brian Stevenson's book, but but yes, it, it, it's uncomfortable. It's hard. It, I think, I think especially um, in religious settings where we're often very propped up you know, you're this, you're that, you're, you know, and we, we forget that we're also human. Um, we want to remember and always remember the father of our spirits, but we, we need to remember in ourselves this carnal state and especially, especially others, allow others to have that as well. Um, and I want to, I, I'll read here um, from, from, again, from Mr. Stevenson's book, let me and what he talks about when he talks about this brokenness. Um, yeah, 
He says, uh, uh, Paul Farmer, the renowned physician who has spent his life trying to cure the world's sickest and poorest people, once quoted me something that the writer Thomas Merton said, we are bodies of broken bones. I guess I'd always known, but never fully considered that being broken is what makes us human. We all have our reasons. Sometimes we're fractured by the choices we make. Sometimes we're shattered by the things we would never have chosen. But our brokenness is also the source of our common humanity, the basis for our shared share, um, excuse me, for the basis for our shared search for comfort, meaning, and healing. Our shared vulnerability and imperfection um, nurtures and sustains our capacity for compassion. Um, again, a key, and you know, Mr. Stevenson, he works with with people who are broken in many different ways. Um, in ways, if you, in ways that if we don't talk to others, we would never know. Um, in, in the criminal justice system, and he says that you know, I work, I work in a broken system. I work um, with broken people. And he was, at this point, he was just tired, tired. Um, and he shares how, how he got himself out of that because, because of this, because he realized that he was broken too. Um, and that being in this brokenness together with others uh, is, what, is what gives him the, the, the ability to, to be compassionate and to, and to continue his work. Um, and I'm not sure if there was any any other comments that were that one we brought in, but um, I think that's that's most important. Again, when we when we look at um, some of these obstacles, trials, things that we go, even our own weaknesses that may be um, that may be again intertwined with others and our interactions with others, um, that we see that shared humanity as something that that comes from being humble. Um, recognizing our carnal states and like I said, allowing others that same privilege. Yeah, that's you know, like to, uh, one of the attendees comments he talks about um, uh, putting ourselves in solidarity with others you cannot see. Um, and that's what we're doing with um, humility, right? It's that we're recognizing our, our shared brokenness, not putting ourselves above uh, someone else, um, but seeing ourselves in solidarity. Yeah, because simply we're not. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, this concept of humility might be an answer to a question that's raised here. Uh, there, in the context of racial issues, there, for a particular example, there's been, um, there are comments that we hear saying, let's, Let's just look forward. Let's just move forward. Um, and um, the question is whether that works, whether, uh, whether we need to bring into our remembering and our humility the past, uh, both unpleasantness and triumphs of the past in order to be um, able to work with uh, racial issues in this case, in this question, um, going forward. Yeah, I think, I think that that was, that was, uh, um, I think for me answered by, by another comment who said, who said, remembering is passing these things through our hearts, not just in our minds. Right. So if we look at, you know, racial specifically in this country, if we look at racial issues and, and racial things, um, and these things in our country have these things passed through our hearts, I would say it's hard to 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 ask for that right of 
of everyone, of people to say that laws would ever change anyone's hearts. Um, but I think, I think that poses, uh, you know, uh, a next question, which is how, how is that even, how is that even done? Because can we? And so if we're not even looking at it to say, to, to just say, to move forward, it's like just completely denying that, that it even needs to be brought, um, brought to our remembrance. Yeah, I love that thought of um, letting that past, that particular past move through our hearts and change us and bring us to a new place. Otherwise, we're just, what are we moving? How can we move forward, right? And, and thinking about this wind metaphor um, doesn't seem like there would be the momentum <laughs> that, would, that would push us in, in kind of a new, toward the promised land, right? Toward a, a kind of greater confrontation with Zion. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and I think that's perfect. I think, and um, especially as we um, near the end here, that when we look at the wind as maybe trying to be humble, um, or that will be a constant, constant struggle here on Earth. Um, I think it's definitely possible to 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 live in that state. Um, um, I, I, and I even think Mr. Stevenson here is probably a great example of that. Um, um, you, and you can see it through his, his character and his work. Um, so, so thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would bring in Michael Austin's point, which he could jump on and give himself. He points out that if if humility is forced, it becomes humiliation, and that rarely ends well. That I I would add a sentence to say we we need to figure out ourselves how to take things that happened that have happened in the past or that happened to us now that feel like they are humiliating and and make them something that makes us humble uh, in order to move forward yeah i think this is also brought out really beautifully um from ignacio um admitting that we are broken allows us to be put back together by others and through the atonement but sometimes like badly healed bones we need to re-break a bit more for the healing to begin um and i'm also thinking about a comment on facebook that that i'm relating to this whether it was intended that way or not that talks about tomato starts um that are totally protected indoors um uh, can't survive once they're taken outdoors into those elements, right? Um, and we need to face the winds to become stronger than we would otherwise be. If we're not willing to, if we're just going to allow ourselves to be protected inside and, you know, only, you know, move forward, right? Um, rather than um, facing uh, things that are difficult, the elements, whatever they may be, metaphorically. Um, that, that that's what will actually make us stronger and able to resist and to bear good fruit. Yeah, that's beautiful, thank you. I'll, um, I'll end, end my thoughts with saying that hopefully, um, as we've talked about, especially this metaphor of the wind and anything that that can mean for each of us, um, that in the end, whatever that wind may be doing to us, whatever it may be bringing to our life. I saw for half a second that wind may bring fire. Um, that 
that we um, stay in that and through, through grace, through humility, through um, a state of remembering that we can in turn maintain um, the joy that is ours in this life. Um, through those things that our savior um, did for us through his atonement that we can, um, that we can uh, again, stay lifted ourselves, like lift our own, um, lift ourselves through our own, um, our own wind, um, but also in the same, in that same vein, be able to lift others. And again, allow others to have that same, uh, that same privilege. And I think when we do these things, um, uh, we're more kind, more patient, more Christ-like, and doing those things um, will will uh, um, will get us there, um, get us through our, our toughest, the toughest, toughest parts of our mortal journey. Um, it's the way that I think Heavenly Father works, as we see through these scriptures, and I think it's the way that we can definitely work with with each other. Um, which is most important because in this life we are dealing and highly connected with each other through our family, through family connections, through friends, and even our enemies, anyone nearest to our hearts and anyone farthest from our hearts. Um, it's important. So thank you. I'm happy to chat and see any other any other comments too. Um. Okay, I thought Chris, Chris was yeah, I think he's no, still no, fighting was, with his mute button. Yeah, I am, but I wanted to read this uh, the, the quote. Uh, it's it it ties so perfectly into your into this lesson in these scriptures. In the course of my lifetime, there are times when one has to sail into the unknown without map or compass. These can be times of despair and terror. They can also be times of discovery. Having accompanied many people as they deal with the unknown, I find the most moving part of the Mormon Exodus story is a single line. Despite the challenges and great difficulties of this sea journey, the wind always blows in the... <laughs> the wind always blows in the direction of the promised land. Thank you. I can't help but think over the course of this lesson about John Lewis's memoir, which is entitled Walking with the Wind. And he takes the title from an experience that he has as a, as a child um, and a literal wind kind of almost blowing away his, his grandmother's house and they, and they hold hands, right? And, and they're in it you know, there's this walking with the wind and they're gonna uh, endure this together. And then the, you know, the whole story of the memoir, right? Is about um, the joining together, uh, holding hands, confronting the tempest, the winds um, and, and using that kind of solidarity um, to, to move the country along um, and not only to survive those winds, but to create something more beautiful in the process. Uh, and I think that's, uh, you know, what, what you're reminding us of today um, as well.
Christian, did you have? Um, no, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm reading, <laughs> go on. Yeah, there's a lot of comments that we haven't been able to get through um, today. But yeah, thank you everybody. I mean, if we don't get to, to you know, read through all the comments, I, I hope um, expressing it was, was, you know, at least uh, in the least therapeutic. The, uh, the uh, last comment I'd make here is, is from another, um, another fire story, losing everything in a fire, uh, clarified for us what is truly important. Um, and I guess I could tie that back to the Jaredites and their ships, um, leaving everything and, and moving in, in the direction that, uh, that God sent them, that the winds took them. I'll also share this earlier comment from Andy. Um, uh, not all acts of God, even the most in the most physical sense of the term are peaceful within our deity is destruction because divinity is not linear. However, the parts of our lives, our land and our people are no less holy, um, just much more particular in how we remember them. True faith means we can no longer pick and choose what we must be humble enough to memorial we must be humble enough to memorialize and remember with clarity especially the injustices wow. yeah. I, there's a there's a question sort of um, pregnant in a number of comments that, that is worth uh, bringing forward that is how do we how do we work how do we behave how do we make sense of all this when it feels like there's no motion um, when we're in, <laughs> when we're in the ship and we can't see anything outside and we don't know how long it will take and we're not sure we're getting anywhere. Um, it, it, <laughs> Daylin, let me put that back to you. That's, yeah, I mean, uh, my the, honestly, uh, the, you know, we talk, we talk about the arc of justice, but sometimes it moves very, very slowly. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the, the Lord and God can, can only work as fast as we work, right? Um, I mean, he's not, in essence, limited by us, but he also cannot change agency. Um, we, we, have, we have choices to make. And so I, I only find comfort in saying that at, at times we just need to sit and be quiet and listen. Um, and that's the only thing, because honestly, that's that's an amazing question. What what do we do in those times? Where is the comfort? What what comfort do we find in that? And in, in being stagnant? Yeah, I. It's a great question. Other than yeah, maybe more introspection in those times. Yeah, I I I'll just add my comment that in response to questions like that, I, I once uh, narrated a part of my own story, which, which includes um, that it took 10 years to make sense of something. And, th and that you know, in the lifetime, in the, in the history of this country, in the history of the church, 10 years is short, but in an individual lifetime to think of something taking 10 years to make sense, put, put some perspective in 
um, what do we do when there when it feels like there's nothing moving and uh, that kind of time frame I found helpful for me to reflect on and to remember yeah no it's it, it's definitely difficult I mean I think about um I mean to put it in my own experience the, the experience of a lot um of 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 um black LDS members where they might feel um again all and and for you, it was 10 years, you know, for some, it'd be a lot more than that. And what so many things are lost in that, um, in that time. Um, and so much that everyone has to experience for due to the consequences of others, right. Um, and so you, there's no, there's no real answer. To, I mean, I don't know, I don't have any real answer for, I, I wish I did, you know, for myself. But um, I just, it's it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, it's it, and it's frustrating, and it's angering. You know, I don't I don't know, but it's uh, yeah. Um, okay. I, I don't I don't mean to make ten years be the marker. It's just that in a lifetime, that that's kind of a meaningful amount of time. No, I it is. I think I, even I remember, one year. I remember all too clearly. I mean, I was a recent college graduate in 1978, and it was. Uh, um, so it was all of my lifetime that I had been waiting, but I had good friends who were 60 years old and who were saying it has been all of my lifetime. Like I was going to say um, something about what they then said about the introspection. Sometimes we have to just sit and wait. And I find that's been kind of like my whole life, you know, sitting and waiting on things, promises from the Lord. And we, we all, you know, we all sit and wait. Not everything happens in this life, we know. There's an eternal perspective. But um, sometimes in the introspection, um, that can be the most painful thing. Because you're sitting there, you're remembering a lot. You're going through the emotions. Everything is passing through your heart. But even even though it might feel slow, um, it might it might feel slowly that we're moving but we're still moving there's still momentum you know and the heavenly father knows that and he's and i feel like he he magnifies our efforts even in that um introspection and he's taken us to the next level of where we need to be so uh, i i i want to pick up i thank you i but i i want to pick up ignacio's comment here because it touches so much on something i have felt um, one of the hardest things for me to accept is working so hard for something good, only to realize I will not live to see the change, and maybe even worse, because of my own, own arrogance, to see things begin to change when I myself am becoming irrelevant. I, I'm now old enough to be aware that nothing that I care about is going to happen or change in my lifetime, and uh, that that uh, that that comment is meaningful to me. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I think obviously a, a lot about that, um, and, and a lot of frustration that comes from that, and. I wish for myself that I had some had figured out some healing bomb, but I really I haven't. Um, and there's a lot of people that haven't. Um, 
and I think I said, especially for me, um, it would be at this point now as a mother, like, you know, you want to, you want to share those secrets, those, that healing with you, with your children so that when they pass through a lot of this frustration, a lot of this, um, um, these experiences that you're able to, to, to give them that, but you just, you can't. And so it's, it's definitely difficult. Um, so I appreciate uh, Ignacio's comments there. <laughs> oh, there's, so. a, there's there two comments here. One is just a great thought about the momentum of introspection, which hmm. you put that back to Hanor. Hanor. But uh, also, if you go to the latter part of the reading um, in this uh, Ether 6 through 11, there are a lot of kings who are um, waiting, or a lot, of, a lot of princes, a lot of sons who are waiting and get uh, tired of waiting. And uh, I mean, I have a hard time making good things out of the, some of the latter chapters there, but um, the idea of, of, uh, of, of, of not, not waiting appropriately or getting anxious or um, taking, taking events into your own hands um, is played out all too painfully in some of those later chapters. So uh, the last comment about um, just pointing out your healing balm as a mom will will uh, be powerful for your for your daughters. Uh, and another comment, uh, maybe along those lines as well, that um, that says one of the most challenging things for me is to acknowledge that everything that has happened to me, even the most heartbreaking and painful, right, the the fiercest winds, even horrifying. Uh, along with the wonderful and sublime, each moment has led me to where I am now. And I'm so grateful for my life right now with all the opposition and complexity. And I'm thinking it's hard to hard to get to that place, right? But, um, but, but being able to embrace the winds and, and to be able to see at different mo moments the way that that has moved us forward um, can be really, uh, powerful. Uh, and it, and it strikes me, there's been some, um, you know, pushback against the give thanks, uh, thing that's happening on social media right now, that, that, uh, there are some challenges with that, right? So as we're, you know, are we using it to brag <laughs> or, or, and, um, and what happens when the blessings that we have, we know are not shared um, by others um, that can be really painful and hurtful. So, um, you know, how do we then kind of approach uh, gratitude and use it um, to heal uh, and to move forward, not just for ourselves, but for others as well. Yeah, I, I uh, would like to wrap us here and with uh, with with two comments. A, a number of people have expressed appreciation for your message of remembering and humility. Um, and this last comment that I'll just read from the perspective of age, our earth lives will mostly show us a work in progress. The eternal perspective helps with the frustration of not finishing 
uh, and I, I, I want to express thanks for this, this message and this lesson about, uh, about remembering and using the remembering to move us forward in, in humility. Um, Aileen, would you uh, take us forward? Um, I, let, me, let me mention we, our, our closing prayer will be uh, by Rhonda Peck. Uh, Rhonda grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada, received her bachelor's from BYU-Hawaii in political science and her JD and master's of education from BYU this year. She served in the Spokane, Washington mission and is also on the board of the BYU Black Alumni Society. Good. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to have heard the, the thoughts of Daylink today and for the discussion that's been here and those who have expressed their thoughts. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for gratitude and the opportunity we have, at, especially at this time of year and from thy prophet's invitation to, to remember the, the win that we have in our own lives and to offer up gratitude to thee and thy son. We ask that as we do that and we pass through the painful and sometimes hard things that we've been through that we'll be able to offer them up to thee, that they might be consecrated and that we might be able to fill the power of the atonement of thy son, Jesus Christ, to bring us healing. And that we may have more hope as a result of our, our willingness to follow the guidance and words of a living prophet. We're grateful for the restoration of the gospel and for those who take the time to to share what's personal and what's uplifting to them. Help us to do that to those around us that we might be uplifting and be a light in the world that has so much chaos. And we're again, grateful for thy son and his sacrifice. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you.